The Hen That Feeds You is an audio drama podcast that follows a linear storyline. That means if today is your first time joining us, first of all, hi, welcome, how you doing? Secondly, make sure that you start with episode one and listen to each episode in order, or you just might miss something really important. Please be advised, this podcast may contain explicit language, adult situations, including sexual situations and elements of horror, as well as other content that may make some uncomfortable. Listener discretion is advised. And now, without further ado, let's jump in to the hand that feeds you. Hey there. Happy Halloween. Oh my gosh. First of all, on a personal note, I wanted to say thank you. It is so cool seeing how many people are listening to this podcast all over the world. Thank you so, so much. Secondly, because today is Halloween, I wanted to do something special for the podcast and release a couple episodes. And these are both longer episodes. Now, I do have to give a disclaimer. Um, I've been very busy lately, and I do have all of the audio recorded for these chapters, but it takes a long time to record even one episode. A normal episode is about 15 to 20 minutes, and that can take eight or nine hours of editing. It's very tedious and very time consuming. I love it, but it's time consuming. And I haven't had the chance to end time for Halloween like I wanted to. However, about two years ago, when I first started dabbling with recording chapters of the story that I've written, I took some audio samples and started trying to mix them, and it, it's not great. <laughs> Definitely not to the level I want for this podcast, but I do have those finished. So like I said, they're a couple years old, the audio's not great, it's kind of all over the place, levels are off, there's some clipping on the high ends, 
but it's something that I will put out today just because I want to release it for Halloween. So I hope you do enjoy it. Just know if you are a, an active listener of the podcast, I will take the time to actually master the audio clips that I've you know just recorded over the last couple weeks. And I will re-release these episodes in a polished edit in the very near future. So this is just temporary, just to celebrate the day and the spooky season that is upon us. So I hope you enjoy them. I hope you enjoy your day. Um, dress up eat lots of candy, go out trick-or-treating if you do that. I will definitely be eating lots and lots of candy. So anyway, thanks again, and here's the uh, archived episodes. Max hung up the phone. With a heavy sigh, he further collapsed his frame into the expanse of the white leather office chair. Its chrome arms reflected the intense light of the morning sun. It was almost blinding. He thought it strange how it could be so bright and sunny in New York and storming so violently in Maine. The thunder sounded so loud on the other end of the phone. Ugh, Maine. He couldn't stop thinking about Maine. Sure, she'd be all right. He had no doubts. But he still wished that she had asked him to come along. He cursed himself for not pushing for it when she was planning her trip. Why shouldn't she want him to come? After all, he had skin in this game, too. If chasing down this story didn't result in a book, a book that sells, then Max would be the one taking the heat. She'll call. She said she'd call. She did say that, right? He assured himself that he was just being paranoid. If she said she'll call, she'll call. Still, she'd been gone the better part of a week, and she hadn't called him once. Not once. It was always him calling her. Was he being obvious enough? Too obvious? Maybe. He'd been trying to lay low and keep things casual with Andy ever since they hooked up. There was definitely something there, right? He was damn sure there was, at least for him. As for Andy, he could only hope. I'm not getting back at her when she takes a jab at me. I've eased up on her with deadlines. Then he remembered how she'd said she'd only procrastinate if he were around. Maybe she thought he'd become too lenient on her. Damn it! But he was just trying to show concern and consideration for her. That's what women want. That is what they want, isn't it? Unfortunately, Max's ideas about what women look for in a mate could be traced back to the small handful of rom-coms he'd seen over the years. And not even the good ones. While there may be some women out there looking to play the sweet damsel in distress, breathlessly awaiting their knight in shining armor to come and rescue them from their ivory tower, Andy sure as hell wasn't one of them. She'd just assume reverse the roles and save the guy's ass rather than give him the satisfaction of thinking that she needed him. Deep down, Max knew this. That didn't stop him from trying, though. He'd show up to the office with coffee and she wouldn't say thank you. He'd open doors, he'd pull out chairs, he even made it a point to ask her opinion when the situation didn't really call for it. None of that had any effect. Even at 32, Max had never loved anyone. He'd always been too wrapped up in becoming a lead editor for a prestigious publishing house. But somehow, realizing that dream didn't hit quite the way he thought it would. Then, 
along came Mandy, and all that was shot to hell. He signed her after she had been dropped by her previous publisher, only she didn't know she was going to be dropped. Her first book with them had been a runaway success, and it was expected that her second book would follow suit, but it didn't even come close. Back then, she was green to the industry. A contact at her publisher had given Max her name, and he slipped his business card into a copy of her book at a Barnes & Noble book signing. When she opened up the cover and saw it, she looked up to see Maxwell Tate smiling back at her. To be fair, this is worth noting because it was a great smile. It was the kind of smile that often got him into meetings with high-ranking executives instead of just their low-level counterparts, or got him invited to be a guest speaker at industry events and major public appearances. It's what got him into his own high-rise corner office working for Beekman and Bergman publishers as editor-in-chief of their fiction department. And, more than he cared to admit, he would use it to get free drinks at bars and gas stations. Andy just stared up at him. It wasn't really a question of whether or not she noticed the smile. She did. But she also saw through the bullshit. Max was going to have to work harder than he was used to. See, ever since she was a little kid... Andy realized that she had an incredible bullshit meter. Some people are naturally athletic. Others can sing or act. Andy could do two things really well. Tell stories and see through bullshit. What am I supposed to do with this? She asked, holding up his business card. It's got my info on it. I can read, she said sarcastically. In my line of work, that's always a plus. I'd just like to talk. I've already got a publisher. What makes you think I want to talk to you? Just then, Max felt a tap on his back. He turned around to find the culprit. It was a fat, middle-aged man with a round, scruffy face and a curled lip to help him breathe out of his mouth. His gut was draped below his graphic t-shirt, and his baggy jeans looked like they had been made from several pairs sewn together. Maybe they were made to clothe an elephant, thought Max. Come on, man! We're all waiting here. Max looked past him and saw a line of people, all of whom had similarly unpleasant expressions on their faces. Max gave a polite nod and said, Almost finished. He then turned back to Andy. I guess I'm waiting on you too, she said. Whether she was being serious or playful, Max couldn't tell. Waiting? For your answer? I've already told you I've got a publisher, yet you're still here, insisting I want to talk to you, and I want to know why. She folded her arms and sat back in the chair. This was a power pose for her. Her eyes were fixed and serious, but the corners of her mouth were trying not to smile. Max could see this now. She was playing with him. Come on, buddy, let's go, huh? The fatty behind him was spouting off again. This time Max ignored him. I think your publisher is holding you back. I want you to have the freedom to make your own choices. She faked a yawn, then called out to the line. Next. No, no, wait, Max implored. Move it, buddy. She said next. I'm getting tired of standing here. The words came booming from behind him. Something in Max snapped, and this time, he wasn't playing around. Listen, fat ass, why don't you go sit down and take a load off the floor? I'm sure your knees and cankles will thank you for it. Without missing a beat, he was back to staring at Andy, whose eyes were now bulging out of her head in disbelief. 
And as for you, Miss Sterling, true, your first book was a smash, but we both know this one's a total shit show. He held up her book. Why is this, you ask? Well, my honest opinion is that it was a shoddy rush job with piss-poor editing and not enough in the publicity budget to make anyone give two shit about it. Now, some of that may have been your fault, but I think the majority of these problems lie with your lame-ass publisher who doesn't realize what a gift they've been given just to have you on their roster. In fact, the only reason that I'm buying a copy of this hideous Lovecraft wannabe is so that we can look back on it a year or two from now when you've got a string of Pulitzers behind your name and we can joke about how you've wasted the first three years of your writing career at some do-nothing publishing house. He was breathing like an overweight hellfire and brimstone preacher from Alabama at a summer tent revival. Uh, with me, at my firm. I, I was supposed to mention that and all of, of that. <laughs> His explosion of confidence was running out of him, like antifreeze in a cracked radiator. She just sat there, staring up at him. Everyone was quiet now, stunned by his profanity-laden outburst. He'd even impressed himself, at least while he was in the moment. Now, he wasn't sure what to think. Without a word, her eyes went down to the blank white page of the book's inside cover. She signed it and handed it up to him. She still wasn't showing her hand. What the hell was she thinking? Thank you. He folded the book under his arm, which was now closer to a broken wing. After a quick passing glance at the queue behind him, he dropped his eyes to avoid any more eye contact, tucked his tail, and proceeded to walk away. And then, just when he least expected it, Mr. Tate? He looked back. I'll call you. The corners of her mouth drew back into that thin smile, and she went back to signing books. That was four years ago. Four incredible years. Andy wasn't just some fledgling author with one lucky title to her name. She was a New York Times bestseller several times over. She was in demand. Max hadn't discovered her, but he had given her everything that he had promised. And that was freedom. Over the years, they'd grown to be close friends, which worked surprisingly well in both their personal and professional relationships. For the first few years, that was fine with Max. He'd never seen Andy as anything more than a talented writer and a good friend. They shared the same sarcastic sense of humor. He knew what she liked in her coffee, and when she sent him a manuscript that didn't live up to what she was capable of, he'd call her out on it. And she was grateful for it. So, when did it all change? It wasn't just that night. That may have been when things finally came to a head, no pun intended. But... The wheels were set in motion long before then. But when? Max couldn't think of the moment when it happened. It just happened. Like, you wake up one day, and there's this person that you see every single day, but suddenly, you see them in a way that you have never seen them before. If she felt anything towards him, she wasn't saying anything. Like any typical guy, the thrill of the chase made him want her that much more. She was all he could think about, and he was willing to do whatever it would take just for a chance with her. But for now, that meant he had to play the game. He'd give her space, keep dropping subtle hints, and wait. Waiting was the worst. He hated the waiting. The next few minutes, he'd spend tapping his phone screen just to see it light up, 
just to see it say, no new calls, until the screen lit up and his fumbling hands almost dropped the damn thing. Then his heart sank when he read who was calling. Hey, Ray. He tried his best to hide his disappointment. My man, how you doing, Maximilian? You know, just living the dream, hashtag blessed, and all that bullshit. <laughs> I feel you, man, I feel you. So, what's up? Max didn't return any of the how-are-you pleasantries because, given the chance, Ray could talk for hours. Best to steer the conversation to business with him. Keep him on task. Well, I got some info on that story up in Maine. Oh, no way! I thought you'd come up empty-handed. Come on, Eminem. You know your boy Ray always gets the goods. Max hated it when Ray called him that, almost as much as he hated Maximilian. What you got for me? It's a lot to cover over the phone. Why don't we meet up for coffee in an hour or so? I know there's a local shop on the same block as your office. Why can't you just tell me now? Email me what you got and we'll discuss it over the phone. No can do. Ray was playing hardball. This shit ain't even on the internet. I had to pull quite a few strings to get it. Trust me, brother. You'll want to hear it. One hour. Cool? Shit. Sure, man. One hour. I'll take uh, Venti Americano, please. The barista frowned. Max had even flashed his smile. What the heck? Sir, we don't have venti sizes here. She sounded offended that he'd even say such a word. Might as well have dropped the F-bomb, he thought. Unfortunately, this last thought came somewhat out loud. Fine, I'll take uh, large, I guess. <laughs> it was a sloppy recovery. He tried the smile thing again. No luck. Was this thing on? The barista rolled her eyes and grabbed the cash from his hand as if it were her intention to rip the money in two. Jeez, lady. If you hate it so much, why are you even here? Though he could just as easily have asked himself the same question. It was Friday. Fridays are always a pain in the ass. Friday means tomorrow is Saturday, which means the printers are closed. At least they're not answering phones or responding to emails. This means, if his office has an order of 10,000 titles coming off the press and he discovers that some junior proofreader missed an error, the publishing company will either be sending out 10,000 books with a typo or his ass will be responsible for the cost of the damages. At that point, you pray the typo is minor and no one will care enough to raise any fuss. Not like some early versions of the King James Bible that said children should be killed instead of filled, or talks about God's great ass instead of greatness. Good thing nothing quite that bad ever slipped by on his watch. Maxine! Over here! Max grabbed his coffee and looked around to see a Ray seated at a small two-top, waving his arms like a giant bird. Why can't the son of a bitch just pick one annoying nickname and stick with it? Ray was in his late twenties, and Max had known him since he was a teenager. They met at Duke when Max found himself retaking a freshman computer class because of an error on his high school transcript. It was a class that was supposed to carry over, but didn't. Even back then, Ray couldn't stop talking. Too afraid to blow off the computer class and risk failing, Max worked out a deal with Ray. In exchange for Ray doing all of his homework for the computer class, Max would write papers for Ray's English comp class. Ray's English grade improved, Max had more time to focus on the classes he needed to graduate. It was a win-win. All these years later, they still had a working relationship. Max would pay Ray to dig up info on the deep web or basically anywhere. If the information existed, Ray was the guy to find it. Despite the awful nicknames and the rambling stories, 
Ray was a valuable asset, Max reminded himself as he approached the table. Hey, Ray, what you got for me? Not even going to give him the chance to start. Got the Americano, I see. I was in the mood for something cold myself. Damn, it didn't work. Nice. So, you got something for me or what? Always business with you, Ray joked. Yeah, bro, I got it. Ray's eyes sparked as he pulled out a tattered notebook. This thing had obviously seen some love. Or maybe abuse. Sharing his findings was something Ray always delighted in. Think of an Olympic gold medalist taking their victory lap in front of a stadium of thousands of cheering fans. That was Ray in this moment. So this place in Maine, Hollingshead, it's become known for its number of disappearances over the years. Thirteen in the last hundred to be exact. All men, all were last seen heading up the coastline a couple miles outside of town. None of them were ever found. Suicides. Excuse me? Ray shot him the same look a teacher does when you give the wrong answer in class. Well, that would be the obvious explanation, right? I mean, a handful of people living in an area that's known for being dreary and depressing throw themselves into the sea. Happens in the Pacific Northwest all the time. These are all facts we already knew. Max was spearheading here. He did that occasionally. It wasn't intentional. He was just very factual and detail-oriented. While it made for a good editor, it often made him a lousy sport when playing games of trivial pursuit, or on days like this. You finished? You... you want me to continue? Ray was through with having the wind taken out of his sails. Max threw up his hands in apologetic surrender. He knew when he was being called out for being an asshole. My bad. Sorry. As I was saying, Ray continued... You already know about the 13 men who have disappeared there. What you don't know is that there are actually far more than that. He flipped open the cover of his notebook, revealing a full page of chicken scratch that Max couldn't read, at least not upside down. 157 that I could confirm. Max shook his head as his brain gave an instant replay of the statistic. And just like those 13 unlucky bastards, these were all men and not a single body found. Ray relished in having the upper hand. He had Max hanging on now, so he threw a little theatrics into his performance. His delivery became something like Vincent Price, or maybe Hitchcock is who he was thinking of. Eh, you know what they say. All white guys look the same. Wait, wait, Max threw up a hand. He was still trying to process. So, you're saying 150 men went missing. 157, 157, right and only 13 were reported? How is that possible? Oh, man. You're making me feel smart. I figured this out faster than you are, and you're always Mr. Smart Guy. When Ray had a good laugh, like one of those deep belly laughs, his entire mouth would draw back in a way that all of his teeth were forced outside of his head. Max thought they looked like prisoners making a mass escape. He wished someone would call the guards and beat them into submission. Or maybe it was closer to the cow catcher of some old steam train as it headed west. Either way, Max was through with being made fun of. What's your point? He snapped childishly. Ray settled back down. Okay, okay. Think about it. 157 out of a town of less than 2,000. And these were all men which make up 60% of the town's population, so we could take that population down to less than 1,000. Okay. Max still wasn't getting it. They weren't all from Hollingshead. 
Max felt like an idiot. It was obvious to him now, and Ray was the one to point it out to him. That made him feel even worse. Nothing against Ray, but for the first time, Max wondered if all this time he'd spent chasing after Andy was causing him to slip. Ray kept going. In fact, only the 13 were. The rest weren't documented because, because they came from somewhere else. Max was firing on all cylinders now. Right. And, and no one thought to connect the dots because these men came from all over. They, 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 they had no connection to one another. Max almost got a hard-on from being so right. You're doing it again, Ray moaned. Sorry, this just... Oh my God, this opens up so many possibilities. How did you find this out? You really think I'm going to give you my sources? Ray cocked his head to the side and raised one eyebrow. Touche. <laughs> this was all Max needed to go on. Andy wasn't out there chasing dead ends. There was a story out there. He was so happy he almost hugged Ray. Almost. You owe me one. Ray was starting his victory lap again. You got it, man. Next time, I gotta make a call. Max playfully double-tapped his fist on the table to keep from squealing like a schoolgirl. I'll catch you later. And with that, Max grabbed his coffee, and he was gone. Ray threw his head back, smiled, and closed his eyes. The crowd was cheering his name now. This was his moment. Max looked at his phone. She still hasn't called. He paced the sidewalk in front of the coffee shop for a solid minute. Should he call? Should he wait for her to call? She said she would... All right, Max. Enough with your bullshit. He had a job, and part of his job was to give his writers everything they need to succeed. This was relevant information. Andy needs this information. It's not for me. It's, it's for her, he justified. With shaking hands, he called her number. The phone rang twice, and then, Hi, this is Andy. Sorry I missed your shit. He hung up the phone. In an instant, he knew what he would do. Within an hour, he was at the airport, carrying an overnight bag and a one-way ticket for Bangor, Maine. The Hand That Feeds You is written and recorded by me, Tim Baker. I sincerely want to say thank you for taking the time to listen. If you enjoy the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. I would appreciate if you could leave a rating. That's what helps the podcast appear higher in the search results. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends. There's no better way to promote a podcast than by word of mouth. New episodes will be released every week. And again, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay skeptical.